Today on the Back of House podcast, Mike and I speak with Mikey Enright, who is the owner of the barbershop and the Duke of Clarence in the uh, CBD of Sydney. Michael's going to be providing his uh, his perspective as a small bar owner um, and also as someone who has uh, been through the process of opening a venue throughout COVID. So uh, Mikey actually signed a, a lease uh, to open a new gin distillery in the heart of the rocks. Um, and, and that's a process that's been taking place since, uh, well, after COVID started. Um, obviously planning taking place before all of this happened, but um, we're pretty keen to get his perspective on what it's going to be like opening a new venue on the uh, on the other side of reopening and also uh, firing up his existing portfolio of businesses. So um, without further ado, we'll get Mikey on board. Yeah, so for the clarity of listeners, we I'm going to go by Mike on this because we have the enigmatic Mikey Emright joining us today. How are you, buddy? Uh, very well, thank you. Um, good to chat to you, fine gentlemen, on a Friday afternoon. Uh, it's been a while. Michael was actually quite disappointed. For the purposes of this, we might call Mike, well, Mike, 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 Mikey, Enright Mikey, Michael Rodriguez, Mike. That was confusing. But he was actually disappointed that we weren't recording this at about four o'clock so we could um, slip into some gin. Slip into some Ooh. gin. I shouldn't oh, say four. Boy. No, they're in government. Maybe six or seven or something after the full oh, work day is completed. It's lunchtime, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the lemon ginger tea for the record. Yeah. Um, so, how, uh, so, Mike, you, you're the fourth in a series of podcasts that we've been uh, doing, Luke and I, to, I guess, just exchange information really around reopening and how it's looking from the perspective of uh, you, which is at least two venues that I know of, being Barbershop and Duke of Clarence, but there is a, a third, somewhat proximate as well, um, that would be good to get an update from you on uh, how, how how the Rocks project is going. Um, yeah, so um, how, how are you thinking about reopening? Um, uh, yeah, okay. It's kind of like... Um, We've been we've been doing some takeaway stuff in the background for the Duke of Clarence. Uh, we we ceased doing that. Uh, I think it was last Sunday was the last Sunday, so that we can get ready to reopen. Um, and, and it was taking up a lot of lot of the team's efforts. Um, we've been quite fortunate in the sense that over the last two three months, we've been hiring for. Hickson House and expanding our group and, and, and our management team and that kind of thing. So, so we've kind of like restructured ourselves, first of all. You know, we're, we're going to be going into launching a gym brand. You know, um, we're going to have a facility, Making Spirit, and then also we're launching a new bar, bar food kind of outlet that's you know a part of the whole complex so so we've been we've been super busy um you know during this last lockdown and and we've just been getting our ducks in line for how we're gonna like you know obviously do all these things in one go um fortunately in a weird sense is that Hickson House has been delayed due to you know due to trade um due to trainees essentially you know and and materials as well actually so so that's been delayed so our first part is opening on the 11th uh, for the Duke Clarence and then on the 13th for the barbershop the actual like you to tease out Hickson House because I guess it's uh um you know if the listeners won't be necessarily familiar with it because it is a new project what what can you tell us about that okay yeah uh Hickson House is um 
it's 500 square meters. It's it's in the the rocks on Hickson Road. Um, if you can kind of, it's in the old Metcalf building, which is literally behind Campbell's stores and the Park Hyatt. Uh, so it's a mega location. It used to be actually it used to be the car park uh, for the Saatchi and Saatchi um, ad agency, which we couldn't believe it when we went in. We we're like, "Wow, you're using this space as a car park for like twelve cars." <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? So, so we we're kind of like pretty blown away, and we we literally uh, we were looking at venues um, all around Sydney, even the Southern Highlands at one point. Um, we're quite keen to do it out there. And then we we came across this one uh, just as the pandemic hit. So we negotiated all the way through the kind of like the first year. So it's been, well, the pandemic, it's been uh, a year and a half, I think, from when we saw the venue to where we are now, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but basically what we're doing is we're, we're building a, a, a distillery in two thirds of the space, um, where we're going to be making our own um, whiskey and gin and some other spirits that we're going to be doing. Uh, we've also um, we've also got um, a bar bar food um, kind of thing, like um, which is pretty much the other third of the space that holds about 150 patrons. Um, it's going to have a mezzanine bar, um, which is going to it's starting to look really stunning. Um, yeah, and you'll kind of, you know, we're going to have an active distillery in the rocks. Wonderful. Um, and let's hope you can get through the, <laughs> the delays on the building. It's, uh, I guess, pretty competitive for resources at the moment. Is that what's holding it up or is it approval? Well, it's funny you say that because uh, the latest thing that's put us back, uh, the, the LGAs that were locked out, that was the first thing with tradesmen. Um, and then the latest thing is actually the uh, fire curtain. So we've got two huge windows that separate that you can, and a huge wall that separates the distillery and the bar. Now those two those two windows, we have two two stills that sit on the other side. So basically, we've had to put in what's called a fire curtain. So if anything happens, this this curtain drops within a within a millisecond yeah, right. to protect anybody that's in the bar from an explosion or something like that. So we're actually waiting on the fire curtain before we can. The stills are ready. They get made out in Griffith, in rural New South Wales. So they're ready to, you know, go on the trailer and come over. Um, the bars, the bars, like I think the bar could be done in two or three weeks. So we've got all the furniture, all the soft furnishings, lights. We've bought a lot of that stuff from the UK again. Uh, so that's actually sat in a. Um, They've, they've kindly given us a, a storage area in the rocks, and it was the, the original old rum store, um, and it's a beautiful space that's just been set, set empty for years. So we've got all our furniture. That, in fact, actually, the furniture and all the soft furnishings, and uh, that's been we've had that for like two and a half months. <laughs> so it's kind of like we so we we're really kind of ready to get in there and make some gin and and get on with it, you know, like and get this thing going. What's it been like, mate? What was it, I guess, um, how's your mental state been over the last, and if I pry too much, tell me, but like uh, taking on a new venture of that scale during a pandemic where nothing is kind of certain, um, there's probably not too many people that have, have opted to do that. I know there's been a lot of sort of larger businesses, mm. groups acquiring pubs and pulling the trigger on transactions, but, you know, you're, you, 
you've got two great, highly reputable venues. I can imagine there must have been a level of apprehension. I mean, how, how easy was it for you to make the decision to go and do this when everything, all this stuff was happening around you? Uh, it's, it is a good question. Um, we, uh, me and Julian, who's my business partner, um, Julian does a lot of the back of house stuff. You know, he really kind of like twists the knobs and stuff and makes stuff happen. I'm more front of house marketing, you know. So to have uh, a, a, a great business partner who is very skilled in what he does and has no fear either to a point um, has been, you know, I couldn't have done it without him, that's for sure. I wouldn't have, no way. Um, so that's the first part. We have an investor, um, which is the first time we brought an investor into our business. Um, he's silent, um, you know, He's very passionate about what we're doing and what we have done. Um, and he's he's funding it, essentially, the enterprise, right? Yeah. So there hasn't been... Obviously, you know, we have a fear financially. Um, but it's just been in the... I mean, this distillery has been in the planning for like over five years. Yeah. You know, like it's it's it was no big surprise for us that it was going to take five years. Um you know, and I actually literally stood back. Uh, when was it? It was I was in there on Tuesday, and I looked at it and went, "Holy shit, this is really happening!" Right? <laughs> you know, and we couldn't be in a more iconic position as well. And I think that we've just had a, and, and I think just like football, really, we've had a bit of luck in the sense of, you know, we signed a really good deal with place management. We've got exclusive rights to to make whiskey and gin for the next ten to twenty years in the rocks. You know, nobody else can come up against us. So we kind of, you know, we everything was very thought out and planned and we just had some, and we just had a bit of luck along the way. So I think I did panic at one point, I won't lie, where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe we're, we're trying to launch a gym brand in an oversaturated market and there's no bars that are open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Not ideal. So, <laughs> not ideal. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it's quite so it is it is a little bit daunting, you know, and we've we've had to change our strategies constantly. So that's been a bit niddly. We had a meeting I had a meeting this morning with place management about the launch of the brand and and you know and opening day and I was just like I wish I could tell you. <laughs> it's um we we found ourselves talking about um the new distillery, but uh that's all good. What are you gonna be Producing, like into, I know you're obviously going to be focusing on gin, whiskies, but um, are you able to share your kind of core product focus, uh, product range focus in terms of the actual specific types of gin, or is that something yeah, that needs yes. to be kept secret? Mate, we're so close to it now; it doesn't really matter, and it's not right. like it's so. We're basically, we're going to bring out three gins. Um, one's going to be a London dry. Uh, the other one's going to be an Australian dry, what we define as being an Australian dry style gin. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have our Navy strength, which we've, um, which we've called Harbour Strength. The, the Harbour Strength will only be available at the distillery door uh, and the and Hickson House and our other bars, which is Duke Clowns and Barbershop. Uh, but we'll probably, you know, we'll take that out to market at some point when we see fit. Uh, the London dry... Um, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great um, a great example of a London dry with an Australian a slight Australian twist. So it's a little bit t- a little tiny bit savoury, and then the Australian dry 
is, you know, lots of botanicals. Um, you know, we've got four natives in there and it's got like that big sherbet taste on the front. And it's kind of like what we what we kind of thought was, um, you know, the epitome of Australia. That really represents an Australian dry style gin. Because London Dry and Australian Dry, they're very different gins. Like you can't, they're, they're different styles. So you kind of, you know... You, some are close. I mean, in the world of gin at the moment, I mean, there's some one, wonderful, weird, and some awful stuff, right? So <laughs> yeah. there's like, so this we we judged the um, judged the Australian Gin Awards the other week, and we we got through eighty in two days. We did concept, the contemporary gin section, and um, wow. I'd say it's way better than it's been previous in previous right. years. So there's way better stuff getting made out there. But there's still about a quarter of it that I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Too sweet. Um, yeah, just not balanced. So I think, you know, I think the, the, the gym market, even though it is fairly saturated, um, I still think the good brands will shine through. Mm. Um, and, and and people will understand that at some point, I think. However, the flavoured gin market's huge as well, right? So. So shine, shine on through the days we have to fill. Though we're too down, love so It's hard to not get drawn into talking to you about gin. Um, <laughs> but we should probably pull back to look at the venue. Um, so, I mean, if you took it, look at um, Duke of Clarence and uh, Barbershop. What are your What are you doing right now to get them back open? Because um, obviously, you're, you're here. You represent, I call it a small bar part of the market. We've spoken to um, Paul Waterson from ABC, who um, you know pubs all across the country. Um, Dave Baswell from the accommodation sector, um, Hamish Watts from restaurants. Mm. You're obviously, you might even be able to speak to some of the people that you know because you're probably one of the best connected people within the small bar industry within Australia and potentially even the world. So um, what are you feeling at the moment in terms of how you're going to reopen and given that we are talking about small spaces and we know there are going to really be restrictions per square metreage, so it's going to be pretty relevant to your topical mm. Um, how are you? How are you going to approach the eleventh of October if that's what you're working to? Okay, um, from the Duke of Clarence side, we're going to do a big party on the eleventh. So, and then we're going to be open from Tuesday through till Sunday from twelve o'clock. We're going to try to, and we're in the city, right? There's not many people working in the city. You know, it's pretty decimated, but we're going to give it as good a go as we can. Secondly, the barbershop, we're going to slowly ease in from the bar side. So we'll do Wednesday Wednesday through to um, Saturday. We won't open on Sundays to begin with until the new year. And we'll slowly build that. Um, the actual barbers, um, it's actually, we're, we're, we're fully booked for the first week. Like, it's, it's just been incredible. And we have a guy on board called... Clive, uh, Clive Allwright, and he's he's slowly been helping us rebuild the the barbershops again. Um, so we've actually hired three new barbers, including one manager during the lockdown. So that's been amazing because we were we we went from thirteen barbers down to three. Yeah, right. Through what? Through people going home or taking other jobs or 
everything. Yeah, opening right. their own businesses, and it, it was nerve wracking. You know, it was like we're going to have to close one of the barbers. Anyway, so we, we've we built that again, and now we're back up to uh, six six barbers and two apprentices. So now we're kind of like, so that's been a, a bit of a focus during this period. In terms of the bar, in terms of you know, we've we've still got lots of stock. We have to be mindful of cash flow and stuff like that with the bars, um, but you know, we're just going to give it a bit of a go and and in terms of our messaging um which is probably one of the other questions is we're just we want people we're good we, we just don't want that those the negativity of what's been around for so long so when people walk in we're not going to be you know have you checked in have you washed your hands sit here here's your qr code for the menu <laughs> we're going to approach it where like we're going to let them walk to the bar you know, and treat it like an ID check and that's it, you know. And then if they keep standing around, we'll go, right, okay, guys, you know, you got CPC, da-da-da. But just try and keep it as fairly and open as we can, like it used to be to a point. That's, that's You don't have to take, you're not going to go down the reservations route, given well, how, how, how heavily will your impact, your um, capacity be impacted? Uh, it's It's easily by half. Right. Yeah. So but you're just going to have those. Actually, sorry, more than half, 60%. So you'll just let the the total number of people that you can have in walk in and take those seats, and then once they're gone, they're gone. Or are you going to do bookings, or how are you going to take it? Um, yeah, we um, when we opened after the first lockdown, we did bookings. So we did like um, ninety minute slots at the Duke of Clarence in the barber shop, and it, it really worked. Um, it was a pain in the arse for the for the staff because you know we were telling people that they had to leave the table and then if there was no space for them they had to leave the venue and um, this time uh, we decided not to do that even though it was great for cash flow because we did a minimum spend so the money hit our bank account straight away you know weeks out we knew that we had full venues this time we're kind of like rolling the dice in the sense of hopefully there won't be another lockdown. So, you know, this is like, let's just get back to normal, not try to restrict people. And, and, and you know, we can rewrite the rule books in certain ways. We know that, and we will be doing a bit of that, but we're not, we don't want to be restricting people to, to what they have been restricted, you know, so far throughout this, this time. Right. Uh, so that's really important to us that, People have some freedom when they come to our venues and they feel really comfortable and they just want to come back. Like it's it's, it's really interesting to hear that, Mikey, because I think that um, like there'd be a mix of approaches, you know, being thought about. And I, at least in most of the discussions I've had, uh, there's at least for where's a strong food offer, say like the Duke, uh, there's a real, I guess, um, reservation mindset. I, in just in my limited sphere, but you know, I don't know. Luke, is that is that is is, is Mikey atypical? Would be the first time. Um. <laughs> actually, actually, just to re- rewind a little bit, um, pre-pandemic, we used to take bookings uh, for lunch lunches and all day Sunday. We'll still be doing that. We just won't be doing bookings at night like what we did after the last <laughs> lockdown. Oh, my my uh, my reduced waistline uh, um, is upset by <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <I've, laughs> my, uh, now, now I'll be booked in for lunches again. Anyway, well, uh, good, good, good for you. I think, I mean, you know, I think it's a, a sensible approach and probably like I'm really keen to see how you go with it because like there's, I guess, a um, uh, sort of connecting to the consumer mindset around going out more generally and what's been missed, uh, you know, versus looking at 
in uh, um, it, it, as a as a purely pecuniary, um, you know, uh, uh, objective, really. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that for, for that approach, and look forward to seeing what uh, how it goes. Um, is are you sort of expecting? Um, you know, so and I guess the CBD is a bit of a, you know, let's see how we go and what speed and so forth. But generally speaking, um, and obviously around a new venue, Sydney, Sydney, and I imagine you'll get um, uh, pandemic or not, there'll be a lot of focus, a lot of uh, first timers wanting to get through the doors when you open. But but as a whole, like, uh, and I think I'm thinking about, um, you know, the the venue owners potentially listening to this, just in your views on market response generally, do you think that, uh, are you that there's huge pent-up demand or do you think that people are going to be cautious? What's your over, overall view on on um, on consumer response? Uh, that's like the million-dollar question, that, isn't it? It's like get my crystal ball out kind of thing. It's it's tough. I don't know. I don't know how many people are going to be coming back to the city. Um, we had a meeting with place management in the rocks, and I was like, can you give us any indication? And they were like, well, we're coming back to work on the 11th, you know, and our bookkeepers are. So I, I think, I, I just think that everybody will be keen to go out and do something different. I mean, you know, working from home definitely has its advantages and, and its challenges, right? But I think that, you know, I, I, I think, I personally think the city will be quiet early in the week and then it'll just keep building out. That's 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 what we hope. Um, you know, but, you know, no, nobody can, you know, it, I think that it just depends if there's a bit of an outbreak, right? That's what's going to shut the city down again, you know, if it's on a public transport or something and there's a... You know, it, uh, we just don't know, do we? But I mean, you know, you look at countries like London and stuff, and it's even still, it's it's actually quieter because there's not as much tourism. That's what I'm being told. So you kind of go, you know, will Sydney be quieter because there's not as much international tourism? Um, you know, did did we did we ever rely on that? No. Yeah. Like I, I think um I you I don't I don't know none of us know really, but I I do think that I I tend to uh, think what you can do is look to um the best experience around you and and I think that that behavioural pattern that you're describing is akin to uh, coming out of lockdown the first time, um, you know, with that sort of build out from the Thursday, Friday trade into the rest of the week. Um, I think that uh, I think that the city will be busy on Saturday nights um, around the dining scene um, because there will be uh, not a, like a number of venues that aren't open, the ones that are open will have... Um, you know that sort of accessible premium or premium end. I think will be will be booked and um, booked heavily because of the pent up demand. Um, but you know that's not necessarily consistent of, of how the whole sector is going to trade. I don't think. Um, yeah, and the, the the other thing that I'm uh, obsessing about really is um, that same concept. I think you touched on, which is how do you um, build overall confidence uh, across going out so that you don't go backwards. So it's sort of like a slow and steady approach um, without uh, a, a kickback. Yeah. I think, you know, from an overall city perspective is probably preferable to a huge amount of people out and then suddenly, you know, a revision back to it's not safe, you know. like And mm-hmm. I do think that um, one of the 
things that I don't think we're thinking enough about or, you know, hand up here is that the overall consumer journey, where does it begin? And do people feel safe at all points on the journey? Or um, or are they, you know, so it's not only just about the venues. A lot of people focus on venues as the kind of, um, uh, not police, but like where the, uh, you know, the pandemic now moves to. But actually mm-hmm. it's the travel piece to the venue that, that discussion begins. You know, it's the ride share or the bus or the train or the walk. You know, as I think, you know, that's where the the consumer psychology starts. It isn't isn't actually when you get to the venue? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I completely agree. It's this is there's a lot of factors in that. You know, of of um, consumer confidence in going out for a night out. Um, there's the or, vaccination or, topic on that as well, right? As another layer, unless you mentioned hmm. it and I missed it. But like, I just wonder whether. I'm fully vaccinated. I don't. My the. I guess the distinction with me is that I'm not surrounded by people who are vulnerable, and that's probably another consideration for other people who are fully vaccinated. But I would think <clears throat> most people who are of the in the demographic that are going to be relevant to your business who are fully vaccinated probably won't be thinking twice about getting in an Uber and going to your venue to enjoy themselves when they have the opportunity to do so. But that might be a little bit optimistic or naive maybe. I don't know. I've got to – I mean, it's one of these things that I think is also overlooked in research uh, is that people – when it comes to going out, it's a group activity, not an individual choice. Uh, Sorry, so it's as much a group activity as an individual choice. So it becomes the lowest common denominator or highest threshold discussion as opposed to what an individual would do. So talking about groups of people, it isn't, it's the, it's the vegan non-alcoholic uh, kind of choice. Same when it comes to safety. If someone doesn't feel safe because the, they're not vaccinated or haven't had the second jab or, you know, the venue, like that, that starts defining what the group activity is going to be or the group size at least. So, I, like, uh, I don't know how one measures that because the whole thing about socialising is that it's <laughs> irregular and that's what makes it exciting, right? Like, you, you yeah. can go to groups of people. But I, I think that, um, you know, you'll see uh, an element of group decision-making where so this will go to reservations and questions being asked of businesses, like what your processes are for some people, not all. Entertaining clients is a good one. So if you, for example, um, are a business person, you're going to take out, um, you know, uh, someone that you haven't seen and and they, they've got a vulnerable person in their household or something like that, then, you know, the, circuit, the venue they go to, all those sorts of things I think will be, you know, don't want to overthink it, but I think that this is part of all the psychology that will be at play. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that um, it is an individual's choice in your surroundings, and your uh, and that's it. And that that's that's the thing. I think that I personally think like for double vaccinated people, you know, they 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 gagging to go out. <laughs> they are itching for it, you know. <laughs> well, maybe if the uptake on picnics and beaches <laughs> yes. and all those things are, are any indication, as we saw last time, like even before there were vaccines and there was still an element of risk, people just ran straight to the pubs, didn't they? I mean, it was it was mayhem. Um, yeah, and and also I think that um, when we came out of the last lockdown, the spend per head was huge, right? People like really treating themselves and, and, and it, it's like money was like no option, you know, across some people, you know, in the bars. It'd be very interesting to see what that looks like after this lockdown, because essentially, you know, we're not going into a lockdown again. 
right? So are they going to burn cash like, <laughs> like, like, you know, they will. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, it'd be interesting, I think. It just felt like, you know, the pandemic wasn't under control when we came out of the last lockdown. It was so new. And it was almost like people just spending cash like it was going out of fashion or they were going to die the next, you know, the next six months. So it's kind of, it'll be interesting to see how yeah, much I they're spending. And- extended lockdowns in the two bigger cities, household savings at all-time high, I believe, unless I'm misquoting news that I've read um, and summer. I just think it's a perfect storm for people to want to go out and let let loose for a good three months and be the <laughs> biggest summer that Sydney and Melbourne have probably ever seen, to be honest. But yeah. again, I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert. This staffing topic, we haven't really touched on that, but it's, it has been a pretty dominant feature of a lot of the conversations that we've had. And you're probably lucky in that the number of staff required to run your venues isn't probably you know as significant as running a bungalow eight, which um, Paul Watterson was referencing in, in ABC. How, how are you finding staff? Uh, is, is it a challenge for you at the moment or is it, is it actually okay considering the numbers of, of spots that you need to fill is, is um, you know, not, um, not that, that significant, I guess? You know what? I can see that it's a massive challenge for a lot of venues because everyone, every man and his dog is advertising, right? And it's, it's across, you know, from barbacks up to like, you know, senior management uh, in hospitality. Um, we've been quite fortunate where we kept uh, where we've been able to retain um, a good chunk of our team uh, we've lost a few casuals but um, but what we've done we've, we've just been very lucky again really in the sense of we we because we're building Hickson House you know we're looking for management there so we're kind of moving everybody was going up into positions an assistant manager was going into a manager's position uh, you know and Steve that was the manager at the Duke and Clients he's going to be an assistant distiller and tour manager. So it kind of, so we've been able to um, have career growth uh, within our management team um, and, and, and we push them into their new positions. Hickson House isn't going to open, you know, for four weeks after we're allowed to open the other venues. So, and we've only got like two or three people employed there so far, out of probably a team of 20 we're going to need. So we're just going to hold off and run the campaign more towards the end of October. There's no point in advertising for positions now because you're just one of one of a hundred venues looking for that someone. So ask me at the end of no, at the end of October, and I'll tell you how I'm doing. <laughs> right now, right now we're not we're not too worried. Um, we do we do have a little bit of an advantage as well, you know, like. This distilleries have become, you know, to be a distiller is like the new global brand ambassador for a spirit brand. That's it. Every bartender wants to know more about distilling and the science of it and, and you know, and even the romantic notion of it. So we're kind of, you know, we're going to offer 
um, a training program where everybody that works for us, if they want to, they can spend a day in the distillery with the distiller and the assistant distiller, you know, when we do it, make a gin batch or when we're making our whiskey, which will probably be both, right? So they'll really have an end-to-end kind of like training, training of, of, you know, this is what, this is how we do it. So for us, we're going to kind of like... Um, sort of like dangle that carrot and like, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to take a different approach. Like, Oh shit, we need someone. It's more like, no, you're going to spend a day in the distillery and learn how to make gin and whiskey, you know, and touch and feel, smell, taste, you know, and we're going to go along that. We're going to approach that strategy about we're going to, how we're going to, you know, appeal to people out there, you know, because let's face it, there's going to be no backpackers this Christmas, you know, to help us out, hopefully in the new year, we get some through. But that's kind of like, that's going to be our approach, which is basically, you know, kind of like a, a big training component. We're going to give you what no other venue can give you. That's our, our plan. When does this go live again? What's <laughs> <laughs> well, interesting like that? Like, is, we've talked about it a number of times on our other podcasts, hey, but it's the... Um, it's the why of work for, um, you know, Barrel House Group is uh, the, the question that you're answering there. Like, mm. and, and the uh, discussion, Luke, I can't remember which podcast it came up in most, but of like how individual businesses tell, tell their story as a, as a distinguishing factor for why you want to work for them and is it underplayed somewhat in the hospitality sector in comparison to other sectors? And I think mm. as a, uh, you, you know, as you're describing it, that's what you're doing. You're, you're finding a different, a, a, a really strong differentiator that speaks to the heart of your core target employee about why you are the best in market potentially um, of the choices that they will have. And um, I think the businesses, you know, more generally like uh, will will have to just, think about that and, and make it um, because to get cut through uh, Hamish was ex- saying exactly the same thing like you you know it's, it's it, everyone's after staff but why but why mm. why are you different to someone else you know it's a question it's yeah hard. I think it's, yeah. It's, it's key isn't it it's like you kind of um, who knows I think that you just got to develop your own strategy of how you're going to approach this kind of thing it's it's a horrible situation that we're all in that's that's just what it is so I want to ask you, Mikey, this, and I'm springing you on this, uh, this on you, sorry. There's been a lot of innovation, particularly in the small bar um, world, I would suggest, based on how quickly, you know, they're businesses that can turn quickly, they can adapt, um, I guess, more quickly than the large-scale operations. We, we saw evidence of that with Marcello, who doesn't own small bars by any means, but, you know, he's an example of a large business that made some moves. Um what kind of innovation have you seen over the last 12 to 18 months within the small bar sector um, uh, that you, has really stuck with you? And, and, and do you think there's any, do you think this whole experience will have changed um, the sector at all in terms of how businesses are going to behave or the products they're going to sell or how they're going to operate, you know, moving forward out of this? Have, I, I, and prop, where I'm coming from, do you, do you think there's any sort of key learnings or experiences that have come out of the last 18 months that are going to are going to remain because they've maybe innovated or or helped shape the way people think? Um, the, obviously, the takeaway component is a huge component. Um, we, we are randomly uh, we're going to be making a couple of canned cocktails, and it won't be ready until November. But that's so we can sell through our distillery door. 
So we missed that opportunity when everybody was, when that was a boom area, right? Well, still is probably. Mm. Uh, we know that it's going to fall off, you know, fall off the side of the cliff, right? As soon as you, you open the doors, there'll be maybe 20% uh, they'll do. Anyway, I, it, it, I do think it will be around for a long time now as well, because it is, you know, it's an ancillary to your business, right? I think... Um, from uh, where we are, with um, up in York Street and Clarence, uh, and Mike's obviously he was a big part of this, which was YCK Laneways. Um, you know, we came together as a group of small bars and created a community. You know, like we 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 all got together, and you know, I think there was ten of us originally, and and you know, and we were able to apply as a group for the grant, and what that did. It was brilliant because it just created so much diversity to our venues. You know, one night I had we had this. Um, it was a tour, and you know, we had this like almost like theatre. It's like a theatre show in this in the barber shop on a Tuesday night that was full of um, not our you know different demographic of people that we would not normally appeal to. You know, and the Duke of Clarence, we had um, we do the sea shanty night on a Tuesday. And all these people rock up and have a sing-song, you know, in front of the fireplace. And it's just growing that. And it's kind of like how I envisage that concept to be. But, you know, it, 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 took a, it took YCK as the catalyst to make all this stuff happen. And that created more diversity in those small bars than anything else I've seen. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you can do the, the newest, latest and greatest cocktail and post that. But we, we actually had real content to talk about. And I think coming out of this and actually my next meeting is with the guys from YCK is, you know, is to, is to come back as a, that community and all work together to push, you know, to push people to come to our area. And it, it just, I, I think that's the, the most innovative thing that's come out of it from my side, um, you know, for our bars was uh, YCK. Yeah, like it's something that um, you know it's been. I'm looking at in my new role, really, and um, and why it, it you know put a bit of effort into helping um, your like yeah. sort of foundational thinking really around that district, Mike, Mikey. Um, but uh, and and the the power in it is um, significant. Um, and as just one example to take to your meeting, it's the realization that uh, the, the demand for uh, uh, haircuts. Will be significant on reopening, and that that <laughs> district. No, this is this is true, right? This that district yeah, in addition, it has a number of barber shops, and so the thing about it is that, like, and the opportunity for YCK is to is to diversify into partnerships with the amenities, the services that are going to be part of a going out experience, and you can just see, right? And I'm my question is, and you know, let's sort of consult in six months' time. But, you know, the 24-hour economy strategy has at its heart this idea that if Baxter Inn or Duke of Clarence is trading till three, then, you know, the barbershop um, next door, not your barbershop, but, you know, a barbershop around the corner, why can't he trade till three and cut hair? So that if, um, you know, someone's like coming off a shift or someone's, you know, been on a call with New York or whatever and they want to go out and, you know, have a um, either get a haircut or have a drink or combine it into like a, a nicer experience, right? It's a better experience yeah. of going out. And, and I'm really quite excited by, you know, the, the, the potential as even that as a marketing campaign is is just going to, you know, capture the moment of what people are actually looking to do. Um, and so, 
yeah, I think um, it's good to hear that that is a and you know, and I get I get calls daily on you know how to partner with YCK um, and, and keep passing them to Carl. Um, and you know, the, the yeah. our office is going to launch uh, that that kind of concept for other districts. You know, in time to just just improve the offering because you know it, what is the reason people are going to go into the city. You know, it's got to be something that is compelling uh, enough to make it more so. I'm bored with sitting at home. Go to the office, and then I go. You know, get my dry cleaning, get my hair cut, have a drink, catch up with a friend, and then come back home. You know, that's the that's the vision. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think um, that you know, you know, let's not try and do it alone. Let's do it as a group. It's much more powerful, uh, and also, you know, like it just expands the offering and, and makes it way more appealing for for people to come into the sea. Yeah. The other, I mean, I'm going to go down a different tangent, but just in relation to your creation of products, I mean, that is something that has been pretty uh, uh, effective for a number of businesses. I don't know if you saw yesterday, but Maryvale have launched their product, um, Bottled Cocktails, which I'm pretty sure, if I'm misremembering, um, they said it was, I just saw it on LinkedIn, they're going to 250 Dan Murphys across the country with their product. Mm-hmm. Um, Big Mood, which um, I believe is a Solitel-led uh, initiative. I may be incorrect on that. But that's another example of cocktails that are already going out in distribution on pretty good number. And then you've got Madrison with his Mel, but what are they called again? Sorry, Melbourne uh, Distilling Company. The, or the, the Everly. Definitely Definitely bottling, yeah. bottling company, yes, um, doing amazing things, curative. Like there's there's whole, all these examples of businesses who are productizing their the stuff that they've been making and selling for years mm. before and finding new revenue streams, which I think is awesome because you look at the creation or, or the things that you consume, the products you buy when you go to small bars. You know, there's some people making some amazing products out there but have been so localised in where they're selling them. If you can take them into different markets or different areas and, and you know, create new revenue streams for your business, then it's, 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 it is a very different perspective of your business and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, I think. It can apply to food. You know, Jackie Challoner at Nomad's been doing some pretty interesting stuff for the last three, four months, and I could very well see that continuing. That's on a food focus. Um I don't know. I think I think that's a really positive thing to come out of it as well. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, it's the revenue, but it's the connection to customer. And so oh, yeah. you're like, you've got this ongoing conversation that builds loyalty and appreciation and storytelling. And what's um, I can only um, you know sort of inc- encourage this kind of thinking um, because it's a really competitive market when it comes to entertainment dollars. Like over the long term, right? Oh, we're talking about the short term, pent up demand, blah 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 blah, but. Uh, you know, as the market sort of recovers and all the rest of it, then it, it's these things become, you know, like your overall customer connection plan um, is, is the first part of it. If you start thinking beyond that to, uh, you, you know, resilience of cities uh, and, you know, the interdependencies between regions and, and, and CBDs, then you start thinking about like the um, the, the the boutique, um, sorry, um, independent distilling movement, and 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 the storytelling that can be done on a region basis that compels people to travel. And so, you know, there's this dynamic that you then 
and and you know other other places around the world do this really well. I'm not going to mention them because New South Wales is number one for all listeners. That's my job now. But like it's a, you know, this is where the, there's such an opportunity um, because if it's not um, pandemics, it's climate change and other challenges that we have to sort of look head on. So if you can build sort of like long-term customer connection and a better appreciation of local, you end up with a with 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 you know the, the best the best of um, best of outcomes possible. Yeah, no, I think um, it, it's definitely part of our plan because you know we're we're not we're not just in the hospitality business. We're going to be in in the spirits business, right? So, so you know, and product you know that we'll be selling hopefully off shelves. So we have to diversify as much as we can, um, you know, because we have to make this work. So, yeah, so it's incredibly, think, it's incredibly exciting, Mikey. Like, and you know, I think that the. You described it as luck, but it's the Jack Nicholas quote, hey, golf is a game of luck. The more I practice the luckier I get. You know, you've been <laughs> in, um, in the sector for, well, for, for such a long time and, and we're talking about, you know, like challenges and successes. But in, in, in amongst it all, no doubt there would have been a number of uh, experiments that maybe haven't, you know, necessarily. Oh, yeah. through, but it's your willingness to continue to try that um, sort of has given you a bit of a competitive advantage now, if I do say so myself. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's without that. So it's challenges. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it's not going to beat you, it should make you stronger. Is that the same? Right. I love that. I love that. Um, what are you looking forward to most? I just, I do want to ask you that question because um, I know you're you are an exceptionally passionate hospitality person. You're you're a lifer, as we would say. Um, what are you looking forward to most in terms, and I'm not, and you can't say personally, I want you to say professionally, because I know you just want to have a pint standing at the bar, uh, <laughs> probably at the Lord Dudley. What do you want to do? Uh, what are you looking forward to most with reopening? Um, I am looking forward to getting out of Sydney for a few days. Um, you know, I've always traveled quite a bit as much as you, as much as I could travel. Um, so that's, that's been the hardest part probably. Uh, being in a 5k radius, you know, we've, we've, you know, we haven't broke any rules at all. So that's, I think, yeah, get down the coast. Uh, that's a big one. Uh, I can't wait to see my mates. I won't lie. Uh, and, and see, see some, some, some of the customers and stuff and have a chat. I think, um, I think that would be really good. Uh, I think it feels like quite a lot of excitement. Um, out there, so I just can't wait to see people. That's travel and seeing people is probably the biggest thing for me. I'd say, and a pint of Lord Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's you know what um, we've 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 you know we have been fortunate where we've been able to work on the new project. So it's kind of like taking a bit of the negativity out of hey, we're just getting in more debt. You know, with the rest of the group. Uh, because we're not open and all the subscriptions, you know, you're still paying, you know, your zero accounts or your Spotify. It just doesn't stop, you know. So that bit was has kind of been overshadowed a bit by the excitement of launching a brand and and a new, dis, you know, the distillery in the bar, which has been a, a, like almost like a lifelong dream kind of thing. So we're kind of like, so we we actually, I actually took a week off the other week because I was just absolutely knackered. Because we just didn't hadn't stopped, you know, like it's a million different zooms. Um and randomly I went go-karting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can go go-karting at Moore Park, right? Yeah, right. 
Yeah, yeah. So they remodeled their thing. It's very smart how they did it. So they remodeled it. So there was only two people on the track. Anyway, just before I, I went into a week off and I was going to do all this exercise and stuff like that. So I was like really pumped for it. You know, start my new diet. Da, 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 da. I came off the track <laughs> and fractured a rib. <laughs> So then I just, so my week off consisted of doing absolutely nothing and, and kind of resting my injury. So off that point, I'm looking forward to doing some exercise again. I'm, I'm about two, a week out from being recovered, I think. Hey, Mikey, so, like I'm not a medical doctor. In fact, I'm not a doctor, but I'm given to understand that the best treatment for that is is standing up and, and having a pint at the Dudley. Uh, <laughs> mate, don't tease me. <laughs> It's not long. You got what? I'm going to time check it. We've got nine days. We've got 10 days until you can go and have a pint. Yeah. Yeah. I might nip down the Clarence today, actually, just to check that the taps are all going to be working. No, I'm joking. Like, this will date, date snap this podcast, but um, I'm just conscious of the hour. And this press mm. conference at 1 p.m. is, is probably going to be yeah. of interest to some of us. So, yeah, yeah um, definitely. It's uh, it's uh, I don't have anything else for you, Mike. Ellen, to say it's always good to uh, hear your story and be inspired by it, and um, and and looking forward to to watching the uh, venues reopen and and like obviously the uh, Hickson House thing is transformational for the rocks and therefore the city of Sydney, and uh, you you know really excited to um, you know help uh, um, if we can you know make that uh, because it will it will inject life in, into what's otherwise been a, a relatively bleak period of um, for hospitality you know in, yeah. in New South Wales. So th- thank you for the timing on that. No, thank you. Thanks, mate. Nice to Thank, see you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was really good to chat. Um, yeah, and I can't wait to see you at the bar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, soon. Thank Bye. you. Bye, Bye, guys. Bye.